stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Uh, We've been talking a lot these days about the opioid crisis and how we address it, both in the short term and in the long term. Uh, As it pertains to the short term, uh, for example, Alberta embarking on allowing so-called safe injection sites or supervised consumption sites, similar to uh, Insight in Vancouver, as a way of preventing overdose deaths, because obviously we're seeing far too many of those. But again, I mean, that, that's the symptom of the larger problem, the problem of opioid addiction. Something else Alberta is going to try, post-media story from uh, earlier this month. Albertans who have struggled with traditional forms of opioid treatment, such as Suboxone and Methadone, could soon have access to an injectable form of therapy. The provincial government announced Wednesday it has agreed to develop pilot projects in Edmonton and Calgary that allows patients to inject the opioid drug hydromorphone under the supervision of medical professionals. Currently, such injectable opioid agonist therapy is only available in Vancouver, though Ottawa is also setting up a program. And that program in Vancouver, the subject of this week, a really lengthy profile at Vox.com, with the headline, The Case for Prescription Heroin. Vancouver gives heroin to drug users suffering from addiction, and it works, it says. Now, this seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? These people are addicted to this drug. How does it help their situation to give it to them? In fact, multiple times a day at this clinic. It is the Providence Crosstown Clinic in Vancouver. Scott McDonald is the physician lead at the Crosstown Clinic. Dr. McDonald, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon. All right, well, this is an interesting approach, and I, I tend to try to keep an open mind about this stuff. If we can save lives and help people turn their lives around, uh, we should put whatever preconceived notions we have aside and, and look at what the evidence tells us. So what is the evidence telling us so far about the approach of the Crosstown Clinic? Well, uh, let, let me start by saying that opioid use disorder is just a chronic medical illness that can be managed just like diabetes or high blood pressure. And we have good treatments, as you mentioned, in, in methadone and suboxone, and those work for most people. But when they don't work, uh, we have a, a limited menu uh, of effective options, uh, and uh, there's two injectable options with extensible evidence supporting their, their use, diacetylmorphine uh, or prescription heroin, which is not reg- uh, easily available or regularly available in Canada, but we have hydromorphone, uh, which is a, a licensed pharmaceutical uh, available for treatment of pain, and we've got evidence from our Salome study and uh, clinical use now here in Vancouver and in the city of Ottawa uh, showing that it's, it's safe, it's effective, and it, and it works for that small number of people who have not been uh, engaged in care or have not found effective care with the standard treatments. Okay, so this is for sort of a select subset of, of addicts. Yeah, this is for a small number of folks, right. uh, but uh, the, it's a significant number because these are folks uh, that have been using illicit opioids for a long time. They're forced to access the illicit stream of opioids. Uh, they're at great risk for overdose and death and uh, other health consequences uh, of their opioid use disorder, uh, but they're also engaging uh, in illegal activity and uh, a source of public disorder and uh, uh, and, and problems and costs that if this is just treated like the medical problem that it is, there are uh, effective, uh, cost-effective solutions. So how is this different than, you know, the, the kind of, you mentioned methadone treatment people might be familiar with. How does this differ from that? 
it's it's different in that it's provided by injection, uh, and people have to come two or three times a day to receive the, the treatment. But uh, really, it's just part of the continuum of care for opioid use disorder. And so when people are coming in and getting these injections, maybe there's a sense, I, I think, out there that when people are injecting opioids or injecting what, what is essentially heroin, then that they're, they're getting high. But well, are, are these people? Uh, these, uh, these are folks that uh, uh, need an opioid for a variety of reasons, and basically they have a chronic disease. Uh, and uh, when you can provide them with a sterile, pharmaceutical-grade, prepared in a laboratory, predictable treatment, they are able to uh, regain stability and health. And we've seen folks who are now working, working full-time, have connected with their families, have completed uh, training programs and school programs. So it really is an opportunity uh, for folks to transform their lives. Give them some stability. Absolutely. So they're able to, to function. They're able to, to get on with their lives. They're able to hold down a job while doing this. Uh, m- many of our folks are able to do that, yes. Now, is it... What about the long term, though? I mean, ultimately, the goal is to to get them off of that, right? Well, this is—I think we need to change our our thinking slightly because this is a a chronic disease, uh, and uh, you yeah, don't expect somebody to get off their uh, diabetic med- medications. They may need them for life, uh, but uh, encouragingly, we have seen uh, a significant number of people with. Uh, uh, getting some stability, say, well, you know, it's difficult to come to this clinic two or three times a day. I'm ready to try uh, methadone or suboxone or, or even tr- uh, get to abstinence again. Uh, but I think the key is working with people when they're ready and supporting them to to meet their goals, or arbitrarily saying, okay, you've had six months or 18 months of this treatment and uh, it's time for you to switch to oral. That's not going to work. Right. Uh, uh, so... Uh, uh, we just need to work with people and ha- help them to achieve their potential. A- and we've seen over and over again that that is possible. So, but how many people has, has the clinic treated? Uh, well, we're currently treating about a, nearly 130. Okay. Uh, and uh, we've had, uh, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing a bit, but probably 160, 170 people come, come through the clinic over time. Uh, and... Uh, some of those uh, have uh, have uh, now moved on to oral treatments, and and I know two that are uh, uh, that are abstinent. So uh, you know, there's uh, uh, all of those are possible. Uh, and in terms then of fatal overdoses, uh, none none have occurred at, at the clinic, or none have have died under your supervision. Uh, that's correct. And and we have a group that, on average, have been using. Uh, are injecting illicit opioids for 15 years and had attempted treatment uh, on average 11 times. And in folks that are engaged with us, we have not had a single overdose death. What's the cost of operating this clinic and where does that funding come from? Uh, well, the, the funding comes through the, uh, uh, the, pr- the provincial government here and the, and the Ministry of Health. Uh, and uh, as, as it should, because this is just part of health care, and, mm-hmm. and we know that it's, you know, it provides better care for this group than the standard treatments, and when it's provided to that group, it reduces societal, uh, societal costs. So uh, the, the cost comes through uh, uh, health care, just like uh, any, other, uh, any other disease or treatment.
Would the cost be higher to the system if these people were not being treated this way? Do you you think it saves money? Oh, absolutely. And our cost-effective analysis is very conservative. It only includes direct societal costs. So uh, uh, incarceration costs, there's some benefit in terms of uh, reduced uh, transmission of bloodborne infections, uh, reduced policing costs, uh, reduced court costs. Uh, It does not even include damage to public property, damage to property, or the cost of stolen goods. So uh, the, the, the real cost may be met many times more. Uh, the savings uh, is certainly substantial and significant. Well, as we struggle with this opioid crisis, uh, and as mentioned, Alberta is going to, to have a pilot project along these lines. Ottawa is as well. Do you see this approach having a, a role in that response? Well, I think we need every tool in the toolkit. Uh, and this is just one more tool. And uh, here in BC, we now have uh, injectable guidelines published and uh, in- endorsed uh, by the Ministry of Health. And this is just going to be part of the continuum of care. All right, well, people can read more at uh, ProvidenceHealthcare.org. Uh, Dr. McDonald, thanks for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Oh, you're welcome. All right, take care. All right, so that's uh, Dr. Scott McDonald. He is the physician lead of the Providence Crosstown Clinic in Vancouver. So he says this works. Well, is, and is that a separate question? Even if it does work, is everybody going to be okay with this? Or should be that be the, the criteria that guides us? Because I realize not everyone's going to be comfortable with this approach. Although, I mean, we do have, as he says, we have uh, methadone treatment, for example, and we've done that approach for a long time. I mean, philosophically, is this much different? So I think that's an interesting question. What is it about this that we oppose if we're concerned about it? But yeah, it it does seem, at least on the surface, uh, counterintuitive. So we mentioned there's this uh, profile at uh, at Vox.com on the uh, Crosstown Clinic in in Vancouver. And it's got some interesting success stories. Uh, One guy that they spoke to, John Pinckney, one of the patients at, uh, at the clinic, says he can trace his drug use back to the age of six when he was first prescribed Ritalin. By his 20s, he was using heroin and other street drugs. Now in his late 50s, he says his life is in a much better place. He has a part-time job, brags about owning a television and furniture. He says, I have a two-bedroom apartment. I have things. I got my TV and my pets and my furniture. You know, it's like I got my life back. And he says, none of it would be possible without the Crosstown Clinic. So as he tells it, he was an orphan, passed around from home to home until around eight years old. He ended up with a middle-class government family in Edmonton. His mom was abusive, though, chasing him around the house, beating him even at one point, threatening him with a knife. Around the age of 14, Pinkney ran away from home and was cut off from his Ritalin prescription. Despite attempts to buy it off the streets, the lack of a steady prescription, he said, made him feel like he was missing something. In his 20s, he filled that void with illicit substances like heroin. Eventually ended up in prison for several years following a series of robberies for money to buy drugs. Pinkney heard of the Crosstown program a few years ago. He decided to check it out. It changed his life. He says, quote, within the first month and a half, I was able to go back to school. Just by the mere fact of coming here, I didn't have to worry about where my money was going. I didn't have to go spend all my money on drugs. This proved a massive change for Pinkney. Feels like his life is on track. He works a part-time job as a security guard in an apartment building, and he gets disability insurance. So I look at a story like that, and I say, well, it did help this guy turn his life around. And is Isn't that a positive? Isn't that what we want to see happen with addicts, that they can turn their life around? They're not a burden on society, that they're not stealing to feed their habit. They're not ending up in prison. They're not dying on the streets. 
That's a compelling story to me. I'm curious whether you feel the same. 403-974-8255. Lynn, Eric, Taylor, and more. We'll get to your calls when we return. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.